0: So today is the 30th of April 2022, it's the end of this month, and in just one fortnight it will be Risaka Puja, the day that the fully awakened Buddha are contemplated, attained to awakening, contemplated into uh, the twelve aspects, the twelve links of the uh, paticca-samuppada's dependent origination. But before his awakening, before that understanding, he had to develop this wisdom in order to defeat ignorance. And he had to do that without having a teacher, and so that he could be a Sama samputta is fully self-awakened Buddha. And so the developing of that bharami took a very long time. And there's no one who can compare uh, to the Buddha in that regard. The sacrifices that he went through. Sacrificing his life, his flesh and blood many, many times. Each life that he took was a great sacrifice. Even the things that he loved dearly, his children, his wife, he was willing to give up for the sake of bodhiyana, this awakened knowledge. So we chant, recollecting the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. Now these are the highest refuges for us, and it's not easy to be able to get this opportunity to chant homage of the Triple Gem, to listen to the Dharma, the teachings of the Buddha, until we can gain an understanding of those. But there may still be doubts within our hearts and questions that are there. We may have this faith that the Dharma is the highest, but we may doubt ourselves, thinking that I can't do it. But we shouldn't deny ourselves that possibility that we are able to do it. We shouldn't think this is impossible for me. You shouldn't think that I can't do this. Because if we think that I can't do it, then we won't be able to do it. So we need to bring up this confidence in ourselves, thinking I can do this, this is possible for me. And then need to put in effort. Because in the beginning of the practice, nothing about it is easy. We need to speak less than what we normally do. We need to speak words that are straightforward, that are straight in line with the truth, that aren't frivolous, that aren't divisive or harsh, that don't hurt anyone's feelings. And we need to speak truth as well. We need to train ourselves like this, not harming anyone through our actions of body or speech. And this is what we call sila or virtue. And it's very hard for uh, butujanas, those who are still thick with pharmans, to be able to do this. Because these kinds of people, they like just following their moods. If they think of something, then they just do that. And they don't have the required mindfulness or uh, awareness to be able to show self-restraint. And so it's hard then to train, to keep the precepts and to practice. It's hard just once a week to keep the five precepts or the eight precepts and even more so to meditate. And But for those who do have uh, this faith, who do have merit, then they can do this keep sila, they can chant, they can cultivate samadhi, they can cultivate their minds. And so that wisdom is able to arise. Because this paññā requires firmness of mind. The mind needs to be collected in samadhi. And for the samadhi to be collected, there needs to be virtue as well. So we can try reflecting in asking ourselves, well, from the time that these, born, these minds were born into these forms, have we really trained ourselves before? Or have we just allowed ourselves to follow our own hearts, to follow our moods? And before, perhaps, we didn't know these noble truths of dukkha, the suffering, its cause, its cessation, and the path leading out of that. Everything we did was just for me belong to me. But perhaps we've been lucky in that the suffering that we've experienced, it fades quite quickly. It's not a lot and it goes away quickly. But if we get to a point in our lives when that suffering comes up and it stays for a very long time, or perhaps it comes up very frequently to the point where it really disturbs our lives, where it Causes a lot of chaos and unsettledness. And then we start to understand how initially, being born, we did things just for me, for the sake of me. Um, but then we meet with this noble truth of suffering. And so we kind of turn our lives in order to try and find a path out of that because the savakas the awakened disciples of the buddha in the past during the time of the buddha and then this present day and age they all sought out this path to the freedom of freedom from suffering as well and there's just one path that gets there and this is the supreme the best way this path of sila samadhi and panya, of virtues karmic collectedness of heart and wisdom and these have immense values, value for us. We see that, in this present day, that if people just kept this first precept, abstaining from taking life as Panatipata, pā and then there wouldn't be harming like there is now, and people wouldn't kill one another. There'd be no need to manufacture any weapons. There'd be no harming of each other. We'd be able to live together in peace. And if everyone kept all of the five precepts, then there would be such great peace in this world. There wouldn't be any chaos. So we need to be cautious of these minds of ours, because those who care for their minds will escape from Mara's snare. Which is this trap of suffering. So, those people who have faith, this belief, conviction in the Dhamma of the Buddha, should take that and use it to practice. And if we gain real peace, then we'll gain even more faith. We come to train in samadhi, developing mindfulness and clear awareness and then we can gain a clarity of understanding and our faith just grows and grows through that. So if we just have faith, well faith is a very good thing, but it's possible for that to not be firm as well. It's possible for that to change. But when we come to practice in generosity and virtue, And we start seeing the benefits of that as well. And then based upon that foundation, we can engage in the practice of meditation, of training, making our mindfulness better, our samadhi more firmly established, really grounding the mind in peace to the state where there's no agitation, there. there's no doubts left in this path of practice. And this is a very good state to be in. Because before there could be so many doubts, the mind could be so stirred up. But when peace arises, and then the mind becomes settled, it's not chaotic anymore. There's understanding which replaces the doubts that we once had. And when we're relieved of these doubts, then we can contemplate, well, contemplate into this body, and seeing it as just being earth. How it starts off as just being like a little pebble, and just this small bit of earth in our mother's womb. And then, as the different elements gather, you gain more, more earth element through the food and more water element through the liquids. and then the air element and the fire element gathers, and this body grows. But the mind attaches to it as being me throughout this whole process. When it's just like this tiny pebble, it's me. When it's a fully grown body, it's me. And then when it gets old, then I am old. When it gets sick, I am sick. And when it dies, it's me that's dying. And we cling tightly to this. And this is Sakaya Diti, the self-view. And so the views that we hold, they're very important. It could be this view of conceit as well. Maybe we can be conceited in our bodies, in the views that we hold, even in our goodness. And so the goodness that we do, if we attach to even that, it too becomes a cause of suffering. We think that I am correct, but if we cling to that correctness, and then that is incorrect, that's wrong. We do things that are right, but people say that we're not right. And then we suffer. So we need to be cautious around our hearts, here as well, seeing how these things are just conventions. And we shouldn't forget or neglect contemplating into conventions. And if we can reach emptiness to some degree let go some, and see how things just following the course of nature, there's no me or them there. Then we get more at ease. And so we understand how letting go gives benefit. Because if we're not able to do that, then there'll just be this chaos and agitation. And people scold us or they criticize us just a little bit And we think about that a huge amount. And then we need to go and argue with them. We need to try and defeat them to win out. We're not willing to give in. No one's willing to give in. Because right from the time we were born, we think that I am the best, I am the greatest. And so we need to try and win out over other people. see how being born with this life, it's like we had to kind of defeat ten million others in order to be able to get born. So we have this feeling that I'm not going to give in. But if we don't give in, if no one gives in, um, then things get quite chaotic. So we need to train ourselves in this, in being able to put this down and being able to give in some. And torturing ourselves, torturing these defilements and seeing how hot they get. And so we meet with, face to face, with this conceit, the sense of self here. The defilements really come up here. And we see that this is what they're really like. It's like when I first ordained, I went through many trials and tribulations had to go through and meet with many, many different things. And before I went to the monastery, I'd also had many experiences. This rapture came up for three days and three nights, I saw into the state of the Dhamma. And also before my ordination I had to or I thought about it so much. I kind of thought all around the world about everything from every aspect and how I would ordain until I was able to to do that, to go to the monastery. But when I went to the monastery, there was a little novice that I met with, and it was like he was the boss, he was the owner of the place. And I was just an Anagarica, I was just kind of a lay person dressed in white, and this little novice, what did he do? Well, he pointed out a spittoon and said, hey, Anagarika, go wash that for me. And this novice, he was just maybe eight years old, ten years old. And if I had faith that he was an awakened being, then I'd probably have respect for him, but it was unlikely that he was an Pugula. So my defilements, they just couldn't accept it. Right from the first day that I went there, He tried to use me like this. And I thought, before I came here, I was working. I had a job, I had status, I had a position. And now this tiny novice is trying to push me about. And so this conceit came up, This, this anger was arising. But I also had mindfulness there, aware of the anger. And so I didn't let myself shout at him or scold him or even argue back. I just did what he said. And so this novice had uh, been there for a while. And um, he got this feeling that I've been here longer. I've trained longer than than you have. And so this uh, conceit came up. And so there are three levels of conceit. There's this conceit that I am better, or I am equal, or I am worse. And there was also, so sometimes when I would pass by his kuti, he would shout out to me like he was a very senior monk, and say, come and shave my head for me. And I didn't want to do it, but I went against the feelings in my heart. And I knew that if I refrain from shaving his head then that would just be acting through defilement. So I went against those defilements. Even though I didn't want to do it, I forced myself to do it. And my mind could get really hot, and so I had to be careful that while I was shaving him, I didn't shave too forcefully, because then I'd end up by cutting him and making him bleed. <laughs> if there was anger that flashed up. And I kind of um, shaved through that anger, then I would be going against my seela, my precepts, because I would be harming him. So this was a good test for my meditation practice. And sometimes there were also senior monks who um, could act in conceited ways as well. They would use the more junior monks. And um, whatever they wanted, they would just tell me to do that. If they wanted to use me, then they would use me and push me about. And so this could create quite a lot of chaos in my mind. But sometimes when we don't follow our moods, then it's quite miraculous. The mind can be quite still. It can get very peaceful. And there's no anger. The mind's not hot anymore. This is even more the case if we're able to contemplate until we reach emptiness, but before we get through that point we have to get over, pass through many of these really strong emotions, need to try to keep our sila, need to endure, forbear. And when this conceit comes up, then we reflect upon that, thinking how in just a little bit of time I'm going to die, I'm going to die, this other person is going to die. And so, why harm each other? And then when samadhi comes up, then things get lighter, things get easier. But before that, it can be real torture. We don't want to give in. The mind's just full of itself, and full of self, full of conceit. And so we have to really endure at that point. Because if... This world is devoid of sila dhamma, this quality of virtue well, that's the end of things and the world will be destroyed. So therefore we need to train, we need to have this virtue train in that. We need to forbear to not shout, to not insult, to not injure and to not cause suffering. And if we do that, then we are on the path to the end of suffering. We're developing this sila, barami. And then through that, our samadhi will become well-established. So we should try to do this, try to put in effort. And when we see these bodies as not-self, anatta, then our hearts get very light, and there's no eighth life left at that point. And so may you set your heart on this.